Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, tonight I want to uh, talk about an application of our faith, and I want us to um, see faith not just from the aspect of the receiving by faith, which is one of the major uses of our faith, that we receive by faith, but it's not the only application of our faith. Faith is also provided for us to resist the devil with. And so we resist things that we're redeemed from, whether it's an attack of the enemy, whether it's the operation of the curse. Faith is the tool to use. Faith is the shield that with the use of this shield of faith, we can quench every flaming missile, everything the enemy can, can, can throw against us. We can resist it successfully. And so we need to know the working of faith as a resistance, faith as a shield, so that we can accurately um, resist what needs to be resisted. There's a phrase I want you to, to take out of your vocabulary. If it's in your vocabulary, I'm going to request of you that you would reconsider using this phrase, and I'll tell you what it is. It's a phrase that is in our society a lot. Well, it is what it is. It is what it is. And it's used to to just lay down and, and accept whatever it is that's coming your way. Well, it is what it is. Well, it doesn't have to be. We are believers. We are not limited to just have to play whatever cards are dealt to us, so to speak. We're not limited to just have to accept whatever comes along down the road and and let it take us in whatever direction. When there are adversities, we have weapons. When there are forces against us, we have forces working for us. And we need to know there are Many things that need to be resisted and not just yielded to. There are a lot of things that can change, and a lot of people don't realize they can change because they've never been told they could change. They've never been been taught that they could resist that, and so they just lay down and let it happen. They just accept it, and they use that motto, well, it is what it is. Well, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be what it is. You can take what is and change it. You can take what, what is in manifestation because that's what 1 Corinthians is talking about. It says that we do not look at things which do appear. That's in Hebrews. It says that uh, we, we, um, <clears throat> the things that are not in manifestation are used to, to, to bring to naught that which is in manifestation. So... If healing is not in manifestation, 
you can bring it into manifestation and bring to nothing. You can negate it down to zero. You can zero out the sickness by bringing healing into manifestation. Well, how do you bring healing into manifestation? Call for it. Call for it. Call those things that be not in manifestation. Call those things that be not as though they were. And you could say, until they are. <laughs> right? And so faith, in that sense, is not just the receiving, but you're also in the same time resisting what is. And so when you recognize that what is in manifestation is something you're redeemed from, something that goes against the promise that God has given to you, then you can begin to take the promise of God, the word of God, and begin to use it as a tool by putting it in your heart and bringing it out of your mouth to change what is. We're not victims to what is. We're not obligated to lay down and accept what is as the final authority. This word is the final authority in our lives, and we have to take it and hold it up against what is in manifestation. We have to take the word, and we have to give it a higher place of authority than the thing that is is uh, in manifestation. When, um, when I'm, I'm just going to use sickness again because it's something that every one of us have the opportunity to, to deal with. When the symptom, when the sickness is, is trying to attack your body, that doesn't mean that it's yours. That doesn't mean you have to own it. That doesn't mean you have to accept it. It's trespassing. Right. Now, see, if people don't know that, if people don't know that, that they're redeemed from that, then they'll say, well, I have it, and it's mine. It's, it's, it's my this, and, and they'll give ownership and, and to the disease. Oh, my rheumatiz. I, I'm not owning rheumatiz. <laughs> I'm not going to own own it. So I've got an, I've got inside information that came from inside the Word of God. I've got I've got knowledge that I'm redeemed from that. Now, here's where I have to let the Word, the truth of God's Word, have a higher place of authority, even if I'm feeling the symptoms in my body, even if I'm experiencing that that the feeling of it, it's working, it's trying to operate in my body. But that doesn't mean I own it. And that doesn't mean I permit it. I'm going to stand against it. And how am I going to stand against it? In the name of Jesus, I'm redeemed from that. I'm going to call it. I'm going to call my body healed. I'm going to tell my body to be healed. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to stand and I'm going to hold that word in a higher place than the feeling or the symptom or, or what's, what, what, I, what I can see or feel or touch in my body. I'm going to hold that word. Now, I'm not saying not to go to the doctor while you do that. Go to the doctor. I mean, we, we'll take all the help we can get while we're standing. The, the, taking medicine's not going to stop you from being healed. It's not going to stop your faith from working. It could help your faith if you're not having to deal with the physical 
feelings and the, the whatever different uh, uh, things the symptoms may be doing to your body, if you can alleviate the symptoms so you can focus on your faith, that makes it even better. So medicine's not going to stop you from getting healed, and it's not going to stop your faith from working, and God didn't say it was a sin. We're trusting in the Lord, and we're going to use whatever wisdom God has given to the doctors in the meantime while we're trusting in the Lord. Amen? So, but what I want you to see is I'm not just going to lay down and accept it. I'm not going to just lay down and, and let it go unresisted. I'm not going to, to say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. As long as I have breath, I can praise God I'm redeemed from it. I can say it doesn't belong to me. It's trespassing in my body, and I plead the blood against it, right? I can do whatever different things, and I'm just I'm quoting a few different things here. What I can do all of those things to keep that shield of faith up until it moves out. I push it back until I drive it out. It's not what it is. It is what God said. I'm, I'm not going to just accept what is. I'm going to take the word of God and change what is in manifestation by bringing the healing that belongs to me into manifestation. And now I've used, I've used sickness and healing as our example here, but you can do the same thing with lack. If lack is in manifestation and, and it comes with its own pack of symptoms, doesn't it? It comes with its own worry and heaviness and pressure and tension and, and then the pressure of what do I pay because I don't have enough to pay everything, so who's going to fall below the line this week, you know? It comes with its own symptoms. And so how do you keep your faith on? How do you keep that resistance up? How do you keep shields up when you're, when you're dealing with all the pressure and the symptoms of a financial difficulty or financial lack in your life? Well, that's why you've got to walk by the Spirit. You've got to let the praises of God strengthen you because rejoicing is strength. Rejoicing will strengthen you. You've got to feed on the Word, keep the promises so that you see, like those scriptures we went over today, there is no want to those who fear God. Those who seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. So you've got to hold that up to that lack and say, no, 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 no. You are trespassing. You're just like a, a sickness trying to trespass on the body. You are a sickness trying to trespass on my finances. And so I'm telling you back out of my life. You are not allowed here. The blessing governs me. In, in the fact of my physical body, healing governs me because Jesus, the healer, is my Lord. So sickness can't lord over me if Jesus is Lord because he's the healer. Lack can't lord over me if Jesus is Lord because he's the provider. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm having to agree with God and resist. I'm not going to, to say it is what it is agrees with what you see. And we never want to do that. We don't want to agree with what we see unless we're seeing the word. We, we agree with what the word says. So let's, let's talk about this resistance. And I'm going to start in 1 Peter 5. Because we need to know the adversary so that we are not intimidated or caught off guard or shocked. But we are, we are equipped with the knowledge, how he operates, what his objective is. 1 Peter 5, and let's look at verses 8 and 9. 
It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your adversary, your adversary, this word adversary in the original language is a word used to describe a prosecuting attorney. A word used to describe a prosecuting attorney. And so when we recognize that he is going to come with those accusations, he's going to come bringing charges against you, he's going to come and try to to make it all sound like it's stacked against you. Your adversary, he's against you. Who is it? Your adversary, the devil. Now, the word devil's not a name. Did you notice it's not capitalized? It's not a name. It's a description. It's a description. It's a compound word, dia and balo. And, and one of the words means to pound continually, repeatedly. And the other part of the word means to pierce, to make an entrance. So he pounds continually against the mind and his, his desire is to pierce, to penetrate so that he can get in with the accusation, so that he can get in with deception, so that he can get in with the lie, so that he can get into the mind. So your adversary, the one who beats continually against the mind or, or comes against you continually looking for an entry point. Isn't that what he did to Jesus when he was tempting Jesus? He came against him. If you be, if you be, if you be. Questions, questions, questioning, doubt, doubt, doubt. Coming against him, coming against him with, with doubt, with pressuring him with things he could see, feel. Thing, all the things in that sense, the sense realm. He was putting the pressure on him and he continually came against him. And, but Jesus resisted him. So that, that continual coming wasn't able to, to, to continue when it's resisted. Jesus resisted him and it says the enemy left until he could find another time. He, he left for a more opportune time. He left till he could find another way. So he didn't find an entry point. And Jesus said, the, in, the devil has come and he's found no place in me. And then another place it says, give no place to the devil. And the word place is, is the word topos, T-O-P-O-S. And it's where we get the word topography. And if you were to look at a topographical map, it's the kind of map that shows all of the height and the valleys and the mountains. And it'll show very specifically the, the terrain, the geography. And so when it says, give the devil no topos, no, don't give him any high ground. Don't give him any geographical location. Don't give him an entry point. So don't, the devil, give the devil, the one who beats and opposes and continually beats against the mind, trying to gain an entry point or comes against your life like that storm coming against the house and it beat against the house and the floods rose and the winds blew against the house 
and, and the, the enemy comes and he'll come in multifaceted ways. It's not just the finances, it's the finances. And then this person at work went berserk and kind of started acting all crazy and made you public enemy number one on the job, right? And then this thing happens and then, then your car, the tires need to be replaced and then this and, and it's just pile on. It's, it's not coincidence. It's not coincidence. Count it all joy when you fall into multifaceted temptations, when you, call it, when you fall into manifold temptations, many-fold, right? What do you do? Count it all joy. Why? Because you need spiritual strength. Because it's a spiritual attack. It's not just natural things happening to you. It's not just the, the, the natural course of things. The enemy is using areas to try to compound that pressure against you because he wants an entry point. He wants you to open up your mouth and agree with what you see and say, I just can't seem to get over because every time I take two steps forward, I get pushed three steps back. He's like, ah, good, I got an entry point. Right? How did he get that entry point? All that pressure finally caused that person to open their mouth. Not you, that other person. Y'all know you've heard somebody else say that, right? It finally caused that person to, to agree with the circumstance and give an entry point. And now, unless they talk their way back out of that, they've got, they're going three steps back. <laughs> right? So, give him no place. It's possible that he have no place, no high ground, no geographical location, no entry point. You can live your entire life, the rest of your life, walking in the victory that Jesus Christ purchased. It's yours by inheritance. It belongs to you, but you're going to have to walk in it. It is possible for you to live the rest of your life, and he have no entrance. The enemy have no entrance into your life. Your adversary, the devil, he says, be sober, be vigilant, 1 Peter 5. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary... The devil, as a roaring lion, he is not a roaring lion. He is not. As is describing the manner that he's going about. He's going about seeking whom he may devour like a roaring lion is walking around trying to spook animals into showing where their, their vulnerable place is. He's, as that roaring lion is going around trying to intimidate, the enemy's going around seeing who he can intimidate, seeing who's going to, to, oper, to provide that opportunity, that entry point into their life. But the amplified, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want that one yet. Let me stay here at 1 Peter 5. This, he says, verse 9, whom resist? That's what you do. You don't have to fight him. You resist him. Resist steadfast in the faith. That's what you do. You resist. How do we resist? We're going to find out. In the faith. Faith is the resistance against the enemy. It's the victory that overcomes the world. He has no answer for your faith. Why? Because your faith is grounded on the word of God. And he can't override the word. And so if, it, if, you're, if you're built faith tough, then the enemy can't move you. He can't, he can't back you down. He can't, he can't 
defeat you. Why? Because you're built on the word. You're built with the word of God as your foundation, and he has no answer for that. So resist steadfast in the faith or in faith. Resist with that steadfast faith. Now, let me go ahead to James 4, and I want to look at the Amplified of verse 7. James 4, 7 in the Amplified says, Resist the devil, stand firm against him. Again, I want you to see that firm. Resist him, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Didn't say, it didn't say fight. Your instruction is to fight the good fight of faith. You, you fight with the weapon of faith. It's not a fight to get faith. It's not a fight to get victory. You've already got victory. You've got faith. Faith is victory. Faith equals victory. Victory equals faith. Faith is the victory. So if you've got faith, you, your, your, your fight is with this tool, this weapon. You, you, you don't fight with, with knives and guns. You don't fight with carnal weapons. You fight with the fight of faith. So it's, when it says fight the good fight of faith, it's talking about use faith as your, your weapon. Use faith as the means to your victory. But your, your interaction with the enemy, he's already defeated. He's already defeated. You hold your place in that. You're in Christ, so when he's coming against you, where are you? Above. In Christ? Above? Yeah, if, if you're in Christ, you're seated far above. And, and you see where we've been leading up to because we've been talking about the name. And we've been talking about the delegated authority. And we've been talking about the fact that Jesus, he's not ever going to lose that position. He has been given all power and all authority in heaven and earth, all sphere of jurisdiction and right to rule and govern. It's his and we're in him. And so we are seated far above all principality and power. Anything, any enemy, any name, any disease that can be named, any, any adversity that can be named, we are seated far above. How do we, we hold our position there by faith. We, we hold our position there by putting our trust, our confidence in what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Hallelujah. Jesus purchased my freedom. Jesus redeemed me. He redeemed me. He redeemed me from inflammation. He redeemed me from arthritis. He redeemed me from, you put whatever disease there. He redeemed me from it because he was made a curse for me. By his stripes I am healed. And so what I'm doing is I'm taking my faith in what he did and I'm holding it up against that thing that's trying to come against me and I am saying what Jesus did has greater authority. What, Jesus, what God said in his word has higher authority yeah. over that 
feeling, over that symptom, over that sickness. I'm not saying the sickness isn't there. I'm not saying it's not there, it's not there, it's not there. I'm not sick, I'm not sick. There's no power in saying I'm not sick. God didn't step out and say, it's not dark, it's not dark, it's not dark. He called for what he wanted. He called for the light. He said, light be. Light be. And what was not in manifestation came into manifestation and changed what was. He called for light. Light came. And you call for healing and healing comes. You call for increase and increase comes. You call for the blessing to override the curse and it comes. You call for what Jesus did and then laid to your account and you bring it into manifestation like you would walk into the bank and draw it out of the bank with your withdrawal slip. You go into the bank and you say, I'm withdrawing this amount of money and here's my identification. And they say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And they give you that money and you walk out of there having received what was in your account. Jesus put it in your account. Withdraw it with the transaction of faith. I come in the name of Jesus. There's my identification. I receive what Jesus has provided for me by him being made a curse for me. I receive my redemption from sickness in my body. I receive redemption from from this happening in my family in the name of Jesus. I'm talking about resisting. Something that is trying to come into manifestation, trying to establish itself in your life. You are not obligated to live with it. You're not obligated to accept it. You have the opportunity to take the word of God and bring to nothing those things which are in manifestation. By calling into manifestation what God says is yours. Hallelujah. This is how we resist him. Firm in the faith. Firm. Go back to 1 Peter 5 and look at verse 9 in the Amplified because we saw James 4, 7 says, Stand firm against him. Why does the Bible give us that imagery of standing firm against, holding fast the profession of your faith, Hebrews chapter 10 says. Hebrews chapter 4, I think, has a similar phrase that we hold fast. That holding fast, this standing firm, because the enemy is trying to move us off things. So it says here in the Amplified of 1 Peter 5, 9, it says, withstand him, be firm in faith against his onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable. You can do all that. All that is describing us. This is what we can be, what we can do. We need to just look at this and say, that's Available for me. I am rooted. I am established. I stand firm against whatever he's trying to bring against my life. Uh 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 uh. I'm not moving. You're moving. I'm not moving. You're changing. I'm not changing. I'm not changing what I believe to fit my situation. I'm going to change my situation to fit what I believe because faith is stronger than the facts. The facts can change, truth doesn't change. Truth has the ability to change the facts. The fact may be that that symptom is in your body, but the truth is by his stripes you are healed. So take truth and make those facts submit. Resist them. He says, 
Be firm in faith against his onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined. Hallelujah. And, and it says, knowing that other people all across the world are having to stand against him too. Because what the enemy, sometimes what happens is nobody understands what I'm going through and I'm the only person who's facing this. That's a trick. That's an entry point. That's, that's feeling sorry for yourself. Peter said, Peter said, pity yourself. And Jesus whirled around on him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. I do not pity myself. Uh, see, self-pity was something Jesus didn't tolerate for a, an iota of a moment. He didn't even, no, 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 no self-pity. If Jesus had thought about himself, we wouldn't be here. He couldn't think about himself. He, no, so what, when Peter said, pity yourself, Jesus was very, very strong against that. And he resisted that idea of pitying himself. And so that's why it's included here, knowing that other people are having to stand against the devil too. You're not the only one having to stand for what, what you know the word of God says should be in your life. Amen. So resist. We are resisting with Jesus' victory. We are not trying to get victory. It, hear me. If you deal with the situation like you're trying to get victory, the devil knows you don't think you have it. If you deal with the situation like you're trying to get victory, well, I've just really got to get victory over this. Well, then, whoa, whoa, don't you already have victory? <coughs> Thanks be unto God who always causes us to. Thanks be unto God who gives us the. Oh, so why are you trying to get it? So if you say, I've got to get the victory here, what you're saying is, I'm, I'm defeated and I need to gain victory. I'm not just making a play on words. I'm telling you it's a game changer. It's, it's a difference in how you look at it. If, if, you, if you take a boxer, for instance, there's one who knows he's the contender. And there's one who knows I'm the one who's holding the title. If the, if the one who walks in that ring knows I'm the one who's holding the title, I'm, I'm not trying to get a title. I'm defending my title. But I'm already the title holder. And I'm defending my title against this one who's trying to take my title. But I already have the title. I've got the belt. Right? I've already got the victory. Jesus, it's mine by inheritance. It's mine by birthright. Victory belongs to me through the salvation of Jesus Christ. I don't have to try to get victory. Thanks be unto God who gives me the victory. Thanks be unto God who causes me to triumph. Through him, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. He teaches my fingers how to fight. So if I'm trying to get victory, I don't think I have it. But if I go into this knowing I have it, I've already got the victory. I've already got it because Jesus, Jesus has already won the victory. Jesus triumphed over him. So we have to look at what, where Jesus gained victory so we know we have it. So Genesis 3, 15 
Genesis 3, verse 15, God said, I will put enmity, enmity between thee and the woman and between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The seed of the woman, Jesus, the word made flesh, will bruise your head. That word is rosh and it means headship. He will crush or destroy your headship, your dominion. Jesus did that. Do you remember Hebrews chapter 2 says that through death, he defeated the one who had, past tense, had the power of death. He defeated the one who had the power of death. He defeated the one he rendered inoperative. The word, the word there in Hebrews means to render inoperative. So what, it, whatever tools or weapons the enemy had before the cross, they have an out-of-order sign on them today because Jesus <laughs> rendered them inoperative. They don't work anymore. They don't work against you. When it comes to you, he can poop, 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 and it, it out of order. Out of order. It doesn't work against me. That doesn't bother me. Why? Because he delivered those who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage through the fear of death. We're delivered from that. I am no longer under the authority of darkness, but I've been translated into the kingdom, the place where the king's dominion, the king of kings, his dominion is ruling in my life. I've been translated into the kingdom of the son of God's love. This, knowing that we have the victory based on Jesus, let's look at the Colossians 2, based on Jesus' victory. This victory, Jesus didn't need victory over the devil for himself. Jesus was the second person of the Godhead. He was in the beginning with God. He did not need to gain victory over Satan for himself. When Jesus triumphed over him, he did it for us. He did it for mankind. Colossians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers. The word spoiled means to disarm. To disarm, to strip off or disarm. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he disarmed them. He rendered, and that's what Hebrews 2, 14 says, he destroyed or rendered inoperative he that had the power of death. And this same word is indicated here, to disarm. He took his weapons away. He has no weapons against you that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. There are no weapons that the enemy has that are, are designed that you have nothing that you're just vulnerable to. There are none. There are no weapons that if you, if you will just resist them, you will always defeat them because there are no weapons that can overcome you. The enemy doesn't own a weapon that works against you. So what does he have to do? He has to deceive. He has to bring it against the mind so that you come into agreement and say, you're right, I just gloom, despair, and agony on me. 
has to find that entry point. He has to get that person to agree with him. He has to use deception because he has no weapons that will work against us because we're in Christ. Hallelujah. He's been disarmed. And here in Colossians, it says, having spoiled, disarmed, stripped off the principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, referring to the cross, referring to his obedience on the cross. He triumphed over them. He triumphed over them. So he's already won. They're already defeated. Jesus already won. We don't have to fight the battle he already fought and won. Why would we need to fight it again? He said, you resist. You resist him. What will he do? Flee from you. So we've got to resist. And how do we resist? In faith. So faith requires the word. That's why we feed on the word. We don't, we don't just get up and read the word of God every day because we're trying to keep, trying to clock in with God and make sure we get our word quota in for the day because he's going to, you know, dis, dis, uh, uh, associate himself with us if, if we don't. No, we get in the word because the word is our light. The word is our strength. The word is nutrition. Just like I get up and, and eat. I get up and eat the spiritual food that I need because I need spiritual strength even more than I need natural strength. So this uh, resisting the enemy comes out of your spirit, not out of your mind. Faith is of the heart, the spirit. So resisting the enemy requires that we stay spiritually strong. That's why we don't need less church, we need more church, right? That's why we don't need less word, we need more word. That's why we, we want to stay strong. Because anything in your life, it's easier to deal with it if you're strong in your spirit. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him, even in times of trouble, it says, or physical attack. The strong spirit will sustain me in times of trouble. The strong spirit will sustain me against a physical attack against my body. So why? Because I resist out of my spirit. My spiritual strength is what is providing the resistance. You know, in your, in your physical body, you have an immune system. And your immune system has done a lot today you didn't even know it was doing. You've walked past people who have things and it didn't get on you or in you because your immune system is working. It's overcoming pathogens. It's overcoming viruses. It's, it's refusing. And, and if you keep your immune system strong, then, then it, it works when you're not even realizing it. If you keep your spirit strong, you have an immunity, you're, you're resisting things, just out of the strength that is coming from the word in you. Without even having to physically, I mean, mentally really give an exerted effort to resist it. There are some things you resist just because you're like, no, I know what the word of God says. Just the faith in you rises up and you don't have to give an exerted effort to say, I resist that and spend the next three weeks resisting it. But just because you're spiritually strong, you resist it and go on, he runs. So we need to keep that spiritual strength. Let's look now 
I'm, I'm going to go over to Ephesians 6 because I want you to, where did my hour of power go? <laughs> Have mercy. Well, well, Ephesians 6, and then I'll press pause and we'll pick it back up on Sunday morning. Ephesians 6, and let's look at verse well, let's start in verse 10, Ephesians 6.10. Now, don't go to Ephesians 6 and think, yeah, 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 the armor of God, and think, no, go to it like it's brand new, like it's fresh meat. Go to it and just, just smell that, that fresh revelation coming off of it and say, wait a minute, this is talking about my victory right here. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord. That's what we've been talking about, spiritual strength. If you maintain your spiritual strength, then resisting the enemy, there's a lot of resisting that just comes by default of that spiritual strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The power of His might. What's the difference in being strong in the Lord and being strong in the power of his might. Well, being strong in the Lord is talking about how I'm feeding on the word. It's talking about my communion with God, praying. Praying in tongues builds up your most holy faith. There's, there you go for some edification, right? Feeding on the word, reading the word, meditating the word, not just reading to try to get a quota of a number of chapters in for the day, but really reading to get it into your heart. So there may be times that you're meditating on one passage and you're going back over it and you're going back over it and you're, you're just seeing yourself in that, in that verse. You're letting that verse just really get in your heart and come back out of your mouth and in your heart and come back out of your mouth. You might be over there in Isaiah 53 and you say, surely, surely, Surely he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. You might go through it and say he was, he was wounded. Surely he has borne my griefs. You might make it personal. My griefs and carried my sicknesses and my pains. You're meditating on it. So that's talking about that spiritual strength resident in you. But then it says, and in the power of his might. Now, in the original language, it is, and, and I'm going to define these, so let me just say it this way first. The kratos of his ickies. So there's two different words we need to know what they mean. The power of his might, power and might, what are they talking about? Well, go back with me to Ephesians 2, and let's, let's review something that we've studied in the past when, if you remember, a number of years ago, Pastor did a series called... Uh, his power, and he, t he taught us from this section of passage here in Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1.19, and out of this we have, in this one verse, we have, let's see, one, two, three, we have four different words, and they all indicate power, but they're all different types of power. So in verse 19 of Ephesians 1, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Mark that one, circle it, underline it. You might already have it underlined from the last time we studied it. So this word power, 
towards us who believe according to the working, circle working, of his mighty, circle mighty, and then power, circle power. All four of these words indicate power. Power, working, mighty, power. They're all different. And so this is something he wants believers to know. This was a prayer that by the Holy Spirit was authored and even included in Scripture so we can repray it, okay? He wants us to know what is the exceeding greatness of his, A, his power, inherent ability. This first word is the word uh, dunamis, and it means inherent ability. The exceeding greatness of his inherent ability or potential. And then, according to the working, this is the word energia. It looks like the word energy, and it means the operative power. The operative power. And then, the word mighty is the word kratos. And it's ruling power or dominating power. And then this last word power is the word ikas, which means the endowed power, power that was delegated to him. Remember, he said all power in heaven and earth has been given, given. And then the name was given unto men. The name of Jesus to operate the power that is in his name. He said, all authority, all power, all delegated power, that's the word, that's the last word there, the ichus, all of that delegated power has been given unto me, and now you go in my name, so I'm delegating power to you in my name, so it's, it's delegated to Jesus, and Jesus delegated it to us. That's, that's the word uh, ichus. So when he said, be strong in the Lord, your relationship with him, your feeding on the word, your spiritual strength, and in the kratos of his ichus, in the dominion of his delegated authority. Be strong in the Lord and in the kratos of his ichus, in the, in the dominion power through his delegated power. Hallelujah. So not only am I strong, but I am representing him strong. Not only am I strong in my relationship with him and my physical, spiritual body, if you will, my spiritual strength with God, but I'm also strong in exercising the delegated authority and operating the dominion. Has he washed you in his blood and made you a king and a priest? What do kings do? They exercise dominion. They rule. They, they set boundaries and they, they protect their lands. They govern in their sphere of influence. So he didn't just make you a child of God. He made you a king with dominion. So be strong in the Lord. And in the Kratos of his Ichus, <laughs> be strong in the Lord and in the dominating, ruling, governing power of his delegated authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then what does it say? That you put on the whole armor of God, put on the whole armor of God, 
so that you may be able to stand against mm -hmm. the wiles of the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll press pause right there and we'll, we'll come back to that because we've got a whole lot more to get into right there. But you be strong in the Lord and in the ruling, dominating power of his delegated authority. So that means you've got to be strong in the name. You've got to take the name of Jesus and you've got to bring into manifestation everything you know to be the will of God for your life or for the area of jurisdiction that you're guarding over. And that doesn't include just your life, but you, you bring your dominion to the work of the church. You pray for our pastor. You pray for the vision. You pray over our community, that our church have favor in this community. That's part of taking that delegated position and, and praying the will of God. The Bible, it talks about prayer, and it says in one place that... Um, I know that this will turn by the supply of the Spirit and by your prayers. Things turn by your prayers. Hallelujah. Why? Because you're using the kratos of, his, of the ichus. <laughs> you're using, you're strong in the might, that dominating, ruling, governing power that's been delegated to you in the name. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. We've been strengthened. I mean, that was worth coming to church on a Wednesday night for. Get us strong to stand and to resist. Stand with me to your feet and let's declare the vision of our church.